This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Tuesday, and that's going to increase the chance. All right, from MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Well, hey, we got an amazing guest today. Number one New York Times and USA Today best-selling author and creator of the Grishaverse. It's Lee Bardugo, and we'll sit down and talk with her about her new and highly anticipated installment of the Grishaverse, King of Stars. By the way, I've read it. It's, it's a good book that comes out tomorrow. Plus, Michelle and I will chat about the latest headlines in the weekend roundup. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the show, and I know you probably will today. It's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. All right, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Oh, the weather outside is delightful, but soon it will be frightful. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Now, I will say this. This is from the National Weather Service. This isn't from the Marshall Ramsey Forecast Department. Just a heads up. Um, middle part of Mississippi is under a winter storm warning, which means that they really believe it's going to snow. I always wait till I wake up the next day. And, of course, a good chunk of Mississippi is under a winter storm watch. And the timing on this is after midnight, pretty much for the center part of the state. Be weather aware. Go out there, get your bread and your milk so you can make your milk and bread sandwiches because, uh, you know, you crave these things when it snows. <laughs> so anyway, that's going up. And we have an amazing show today. Uh, I'm pumped about it, really. I'm one of the most creative young adult authors out there. And I mean, we've been blessed on the show to interview some awesome authors. Angie Thomas, Greg Isles. I mean, you know, the, the, goes the best of the best really are. <laughs> She's among the best of the best. Lee Bardugo is going to be on with us. Number one New York Times bestselling author, USA Today bestselling author. She's created a whole universe through her novels, um, through the Grishaverse, as we like to say. That's what they call it like universe. And it, it's incredible. If you look at the detail that she has written in all of her novels, she's done one trilogy, one duology, I guess. And then this next series will be a duology. Also King of stars scars is her new book. That's coming out tomorrow. So we're actually going to get a little bit of a preview today, folks. I'm telling you, and I had an advanced copy of it. So I got to read through it all the way through it. And I hate that because, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. So don't worry about that. But just an absolutely incredible, incredible book. And um, she's about to write an adult novel, too. And I mean adult as in for grownups, not an adult novel. I don't want you thinking that she's gone nuts. Uh, but she's a fascinating person, too, because she's I mean, she's she grew up and she was born in Jerusalem, grew up in L.A. We'll get to all this stuff. But she's she's done several different jobs. And I think somehow that's probably influenced um, her creativity and her writing ability. And she, she graduated from Yale. So anyway, we're in for a great show today. Now, we got something special coming up in February. We're going to have a bunch of mayors on the show. Yes, well, no. Let's talk about this first. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Happy Monday. It is Monday. and um, Poor Michelle. Is... I left. I didn't allow you to introduce yourself. I'm so sorry. That's it Michelle's is... voice. No, it is beautiful in Jackson mm-hmm. for uh, people who, all, like you said, all over the state, uh, different weathers, I mean, from north to south. It is crazy. It's going to be 62 today. It is sunny, and then tomorrow we may have snow. So, But you know what that means? If it's 62 today, it will probably melt right at first, and it may have a tough time sticking. This isn't going to be a long-term event, folks. Well, I can just tell well, you that. Well, no. The high tomorrow is 25. Well, I think well, that's... Well, yeah, no, that's no, the, not the high. The low, uh, the low is 25, and the high is going to be 30, 36, I And believe. it'll be really windy. So the, <laughs> the point... It'll be sunny later mm-hmm. tomorrow, but the point is, it is just going to be cold. Yeah. Yeah. And Winter is coming. Speaking of that, all, especially my daughter in ninth grade, she wants it to snow. She woke up this morning saying, well, yeah. I want it to snow. So I say, you know what? Keep thinking on it, keep praying on it, and maybe your wish will come true. Mm-hmm. But speaking of the weekend roundup, um, there's some great movies coming out. We have some great new features coming on the show for February in 2019. Oh, yeah. Didn't I mention that? Yeah. I, 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 I want to uh, tell you guys mm-hmm. that I'm going to feature 
the mayors of the week. Now you we, are. Have, we have great oh, nice. mayors all over the state. We have mm-hmm. a great, wonderful state, and we want to showcase that. So I was thinking, what better way to showcase um, the state of Mississippi than talking to the mayors? I'm talking about from the smallest towns to the largest cities in Jackson, in Mississippi. We will talk to the mayors, and, and, and it's going to be fun because I did this on another when I was on another radio station that shall not be mentioned. Uh, we had mayors coming in, small town mayors, and I tell you what, the life of a mayor is actually pretty fascinating. It is a 24-7 job. They can't even go to the local restaurant and eat without somebody coming up, hey, my garbage didn't get picked up today. Exactly. So it's it's cool. This is going to be a great great. It segment. is. And I want you guys to help us out. This is what I want you to do. I want you to log on to uh, Marshall at mpbonline.org and submit your um, mayor of the week. It could be from your hometown. It could be someone you know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live in the same city or the town that you submit the mayor of the week. But if you know someone who's doing a great job. Could be your cousin, could be your uncle, could be your dad. And it's Mississippi. That's yes. very possible. So go ahead and send it to um, Marshall at mpbonline.org. I will look at them each week, and you never know who will be the mayor spotlight of the week. Neither will I, apparently. Could, so that'll be cool. Be, that'll be great. It could be your mayor. And also, movies the, mm-hmm. in theaters. I love movies. I love interesting movies. And this one, if you guys remember uh, What Women Want, remember the old... What Women Want movie mm-hmm. back in the, was it 90s? Yeah, it wasn't 80s. It was 90s. One of my favorite movies. Well, it's coming back around, and it's a female. It's Taraji P. Henson. It comes out February 8th. It's What Men Want. It's the same concept. She gets voodooed somehow. Yeah, and she, some can, she can read tea, their minds, right? And she yeah, can read the minds of men. And it is going to be, it's the best chick flick ever. So take your girlfriends and don't miss what I am not going to take my girlfriends. That probably <laughs> would not 8th. be good. And no. you know what? Some men say, I think that'll be a great movie. Some men say that. But I know this is going to be a wonderful movie for all women. I can't wait for it to come out. Mm-hmm. And Glass, the spinoff of Split. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see that. Actually, it came out. It's already out. Starring uh, Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Mississippi's finest. And uh, I did you see Split? Uh, no, I, no, I did not. It was vi- I'm you know into counseling, so it was a really good movie about multiple personalities. Well, I mean, he's got it's basically he's got characters from all of his different because the Bruce Willis character from I See Dead People, he's in it. I mean, so it's kind of a neat mashup of a lot of his older movies. Yep, and he is. Uh, I love it. If the you director, believe, if you Knight. Be- you're right. If you believe something so strongly, you become that what you believe, and that's what the movie is kind of about. And I believe I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, so I you will I, be. Hungry. I guess I'm hungry. There you go. But they more themselves into superheroes, into super characters because they believe that's who they are. Hmm. Interesting, interesting concept. Yeah. But um, what's, what are you uh, in, what are you watching now? What, you know, I'm actually kind of in the reading mode right mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, well, we watched over the weekend the, the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's getting a lot of nods and, it you is. know, it's doing really well. So we, we saw that. Went to Birmingham. I did a trip with my son for that. So that was cool. But like I said, uh, King of Scars, the movie, I read that. I mean, the book, I read that and that's great. And um no, I just, I don't know. The weather was so nice this weekend. I just didn't really get out to a movie theater. But I, but that's okay. Yesterday was just lazy day. Yeah, you know? it was you nice. Gotta, you got to have those days. It was a little crisp. Well, it warmed up a little bit, but um, we washed the car and did some little yeah. things like that. It was a great well, weekend. Well, you know, with my new job, being editor-at-large at Mississippi Today, mm-hmm. I'm on the road a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm traveling and everything. And so, like, last weekend, I was up at South Haven. And, you know, I mean, I'm bouncing around. So the point is, when I get a weekend, I get a day and I don't have to do anything, man, I'm like a slug. Yeah. You it's sound great. like me. No, it's good. Everyone but, says, why don't you do more? Because I'm always doing. So when I don't have to do, I yeah, like, well, just And my relax. son came home from college, too. So that was great. Oh. That's always an added bonus. But, you know, I got this the iPad Pro deal, the mm-hmm. little computer that I can draw on now. Mm-hmm. So I've been a- able to do extra cartoons and do a lot of different color cartoons and stuff like that. So it's been really a lot of fun. So I spent a lot of yesterday actually drawing. Which, you know, guess what? That's what I do in my spare time is draw. So that was really fun. It's just a really creative. Uh, I use the I, the Apple Pencil mm-hmm. and the iPad Pro in the combinations with a program called Procreate for those of you who are in that sort of thing. But it's amazing. It's like painting. Do you like it better? Oh, my gosh. Or no, it's not I get better. That, no, I get that question a lot. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. I love pen and ink. I love drawing on a piece of paper. It's a great experience. And you have something tangible when you're done. 
But this allows me to be able to do things in color, to be able to do it pretty quickly, to make it look really pop and be vivid. And I can post it directly to my social media just instantly. Mm. So I don't have to scan it and I don't have to do all the stuff that I used to do. Mm-hmm. So it, for me, for quick things, I can sit on the couch while the family's there and I don't have to go into the den, into the drawing table mm. and do that. So it's really for me creative wise. You know, it just opens up this whole new universe for me. So it's kind of fun. So it's good. I tell you what, I am really, really excited for our guest coming up. You're going to love her, too. Lee Bardugo is coming in. She's going to be on the phone with us. Uh, She will be in Oxford coming up this weekend. There's going to be a signing. Square Books is putting it on. It'll be... Uh, we'll give you the details on the signing, but they're going to do a fan meetup and they're going to do a question and answer and a meet and greet. Going to be a really big event. But first, we wanted to let you know a little bit about her and get to meet her. So she is going to be on with us in um, a few minutes, too. And I tell you what, uh, also, too, I just want to say it just came in the mail today. Greg Isles has a new book coming out as well. Author here from Mississippi, our friend of the show. It's called Cemetery Road. It literally just came in the mail today. I've got an advanced reader's edition. So I'm really looking forward to read it. The, the blurb on the front says a superb entertainment that is work of power, distinction and high seriousness. Washington Post. And I tell you what, you know, when Greg had the wreck since then, his writing has been just incredibly on fire. He's just been doing some great work. So look forward to reading that, too. But like I said, Lee Bardugo is going to be joining us just here in a few minutes. And uh, her new book is, of course, King of Scars. And, you know, the whole Grisha verse deal is young. And she came out the first book in 2012, and she has just been writing like crazy. Shadow and Bone was the first one. It was a New York Times bestseller. And, of course, since then, she's written, gosh, just book after book after book, short stories. And I think also, too, in 2017, she wrote the standalone novel Wonder Woman Warbringer, too. So we'll talk about that, too. So it's going to be a great show. Looking forward to that. And, of course, um, be careful on the snow out there that's coming in tomorrow. It's going to be a little bit slick. It's also going to be really, really cold. So make sure you bring your pets in. Make sure you bring your kids in. You don't want anybody getting too cold out there. But it's going to be kind of a brisk day, and it's hard to believe it because today it is absolutely amazing out there. So there you go. That's Mississippi for you. It'll probably be 80 degrees by this Friday. So that's how we tend to roll. But great show today. Looking forward to uh, having our guest on. And we're going to take a quick break here. Looking forward to that, too. So you've got you got her. She's here. We're good. All right. Good deal. All right. This is coming up next. We're going to have Lee Bardugo, the number one New York Times bestselling author. This is uh, now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting for more information. Hey, I'm Marshall Ramsey, the host of Now You're Talking, the show about the most interesting people in Mississippi. Join us to hear stories from artists, activists, and entrepreneurs. Every Monday at 10, only on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. (laughs) 
Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Thank you for being part of the show. And it is a great show. And I'm very excited to have on with us the number one New York Times bestselling author, and USA Today bestselling author as well, creator of the Grishaverse, Lee Bardugo. Lee, uh, welcome and thanks for getting up early to be on the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Man, I tell you what, there are very few things I do in my life that make me cool with my kids. Um, today is going to be one of them. So I'm just very honored to get All to right. talk to you. So uh, thank you. I, gosh, what a what an amazing seven years you have had um, since since the first book came out, since Shadow and Bone came out in 2012. I mean, you've been on fire. How, oh, how, do, you. You, how do you keep that pace up? Um. You know, it's interesting. I think I've just committed to having a life out of balance and being okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I started my career a little later than a lot of writers, and so I kind of have felt like I'm playing catch-up. So I've been trying to put out a book a year and sometimes two books a year. Um, but it, it is a, it's a hefty pace, but it's, I have my dream job, so I can't complain. Isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. Um, just this is the only mention to myself. I'm going to make this whole interview. I promise I do editorial cartoons when I'm not doing the radio show. And so I get to create too. And it's like every day I wake up and I'm like, I get to do what I love to do. And I know that's how you have to feel every single day. You know, well, not every day. Cause well, I know there are days. Yeah. yeah but, say, but say, there are days actually, when, yeah, <laughs> this is one of the illusions we have about creators and, and people working creatively that every day feels um, you feel like a genius and you're able to get into the flow of your art. But at least for me, um, one of the reasons I think it took me a while to become a writer was I had to recognize that there were going to be days where I really felt like a failure. And yeah. I really felt like <clears throat> a fraud. And to sort of understand that those bad days are probably more important than the good days when it comes to to, to becoming a professional creator. Well, I mean, aren't those the days, and I, and I kind of view them as some of the most important ones, too, because those are the days when I've actually forced myself to get up and actually go do something, and I'm proud that mm-hmm. I actually do that. So I know you must yep. have. Yeah, definitely. By the way, I'm really, congratulations on King of Scars. It comes out tomorrow, correct? Yes. Oh, my gosh, so I can't spoil anything because I read it. <laughs> I feel like you did. I, yeah, oh, I hope you well, enjoyed it. I did. I loved it, and um, you know, it's my introdu- introduction to the whole Grisha verse, and uh, I, which I'm, my kids probably could be doing the interview right now, probably a little better than I could be. Um, but my God, I loved it, and it was really good. Now I'm going to have to go back and read all your other books. I hope you will. Oh, well, you know, it's the least I can do, and that'll take me a while too. But go ahead and set it up and tell a little bit about the the. What's going on? Because, I mean, I could do it, but I'm going to let sure. you do it because you, you know. The- um, King, yeah, King of Scars is the story of a young ruler, Nikolai Lansov, who is attempting to keep his country from the brink of destruction, all while keeping a very real monster inside him at bay. Yeah. And he is a war hero. He's an inventor. And he's sort of been able to conquer every problem in his life uh, until now. Um, it's also the story of his um, his general, Zoya, who is a powerful Grisha. The Grisha are the magic wielders in my world. Yeah. And her coming to terms with her past and embracing uh, some new power. And also Nina Zenik, who was a character who appeared in a previous series of mine, um, who is on a secret mission for the crown uh, behind enemy lines. So a um, lot of magic, a um, little bit of court intrigue. Um uh, I hope a lot of fun dialogue and adventure. For me, it was pretty exciting to get to return to this world. And I'm really thrilled that you read it um, as your first Grishaverse book. I did my best to make sure that new readers could come to the series here. Um, but it's also, I hope, a, a good welcome home for the people who've been uh, reading along well, that's what uh, I, with what I've been writing. I agree. That's what I loved about it, because I didn't feel like that I was missing something. But then I went back and started studying on the characters a little bit and, and finding out a little bit more of their past and even added that much more. But I think it's neat how you, you took characters from both the first, the trilogy, and then the, the next duolo- duology. Is that, that correct? Mm-hmm. And how you kind of, you know, you, you cross the world, you got them in there, and it's, it really makes the book a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was really kind of joyful for me. And, um, you know, look, it's a luxury, right? right. Uh, to be able to continue to write books in this world, um, to have enough readers that, that they want to see more of it, to get to go to a place like Ravka um, that is full of, you know, um, luxury and beauty, but also suffering as well. And, yeah. um, it was fun, and I'm excited to come 
see you guys in Mississippi. February um, 1st. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, the lovely people at Square Books are going to be bringing me there. And I think we're going to be at the Edison. But yeah. my dad actually was born in Mississippi. What? So, um, no. Yeah. No kidding. Where at? Yes. Um, a very tiny town called Lawrenceville, which I don't actually even know if it still exists, but um, it's a very small town, and he grew up there, and then they moved to Alabama after that. he was a, So they moved to the uh, big city. Yes. Um, they moved to Huntsville. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So you have Miss, So you're one of us. Well, well I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> well, I, mean, you I were... have actually gotten to visit before, um, you know, and go see Faulkner's house and all that. Yeah. So you're going to love Square great. Books. I, I can tell you, I've done a few signings up there, and it is, I mean, it's one of the one of, if not the top independent bookstore in the country. And you're going to find out why. It's just an incredibly great event, and you're going to love Oxford. And everybody's going to come out February first. The the you've got a fan meetup at five o'clock. And then you're going to yeah. be signing with question and answer. So you're going to do like 30 minutes of question and answer, and then you'll sign. So that starts at 6. Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to the, – the first part is for fans who want to come meet each other. We're going to have some exclusive free giveaways and photo opportunities. And then I'll be coming in, and um, we really wanted to maximize as much time as we could with the fans this time. So I'm going to be answering questions, anything they want to throw at me. Easy stuff, hard stuff, and then um, I'll be signing books and taking photos. And that's, I, that's a good time to throw out the number, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven mpb ring And if you have a question for Lee Bardugo, because I know a lot of your friend, fans are listening right now, uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear that. Lee, I think that's one thing I love about your books and, and what I've done on the research and so forth is that you've created this wonderful universe. It's incredibly textured, incredibly deep, but it's like your fans have completely just fallen into it too. And I mean, everything from fan fiction to dressing up like the characters, I mean, you've created just an incredible universe. And really I want to kind of unpack this a little bit and how you got into it and how you did it, but congratulations for doing that. Cause that's not easy. Thank you. I mean, I think that there's, I think there are really kind of uh, two kinds of fantasy writers and um, there are the people, and I, I feel like George R. R. Martin has a great quote about this, about architects versus gardeners. And um, I really, when I began this, I started just really wanting to finish a book. I had wanted to be a novelist my whole life, but yeah. I had a really bad habit of false starts. So to now see that grow into this and to, uh, I guess this is going to be my, ninth book in this world um, is really something special. And look, the readers are the people, the readers and the booksellers are the people who keep this world alive um, yeah. and who keep uh, and who get new people to come and discover these things. And when I was growing up, I, I desperately needed fantasy and science fiction to fall into. So I hope I'm, I'm giving that to the kids now. Yeah, you were, you, were, you were born in Jerusalem, but you grew up in L.A., and I lived in San yeah. Diego before I moved here. So, I mean, L.A. is a busy, crazy, um, just all kinds of stimuli. It's, I mean, it's a great place for that. Your grandparents raised you. Isn't, isn't that right? Pardon? Didn't your grandparents raise you? Isn't that, isn't that correct? Did yeah. I get that right? Yeah. yeah. But you're, uh, you were yeah. talking about your grandfather. He sounded like a really fascinating guy. <laughs> he really was. Um, he actually grew up in Boston. He was a little bit of a brawler. Um, he was an interesting mix of kind of. Um, a love for for kind of westerns and Marty Robbins song, but songs, but also listen to opera and um, and you know was the person who really got me reading early and um, and he had you know sort of peculiar taste. He loved kind of old school stuff like Kipling and William Saroyan, um, Longfellow, but um, I I really regret that that he didn't get to see me become an author because I think if he if he hadn't had to make a living in a, a very difficult time he that might have been what he pursued. He was a natural storyteller. He really was, yeah. and also tough as nails. I mean, he literally built a retaining wall out of railroad ties in our backyard what? to keep the, wow. the hill from sliding down into the house. Yes, hauled them with his friends into the backyard. So, um, And I think you can see some of that in my books. I love fantasy, but I also love to ground it in reality. Yeah. So as much as I love the beauty of a world, I really like to think about the people who aren't the chosen ones and who don't have um, you know, foretold destiny is they're the people who maybe the rest of the world would consider expendable. Um, they're very important to my book. Well, that's what was, that was what was so good about, you know, King of Scars is that not only I love the fantasy part and I love the 
magic. But I mean, there was so much of sociology, psychology, you know, current events, history, mm-hmm. all that wrapped in there, too. You know, I could see where you kind of took a little bit from here and a little bit from there and made that. So, I mean, that really was that something you decided to do early on was just try to, to create that kind of mix? I think um, I think that Imperial Russia um, yes. of the 1800s was really a big jumping off point for me. Mm-hmm. But there were other influences, too. Um, in the Six of Crows duology, I really um, dug into commerce in the world and um, the way that economics function and the idea of the way trade was impacting the military uh, in these places. Yeah. And I know that some people, maybe their eyes glaze over when they hear that, but to me, that's what um, gives a world a kind of spine and makes it feel plausible and believable. Um, you know, sometimes you'll read a fantasy novel and it's just, all these people seem to be walking around with little little leather pouches full of gold, and it's just so implausible to me. So when I approached King of Scars, I really... I wanted to think about the challenges that would be facing this young ruler right. and and what it would mean to govern when your resources are dwindling and when you have enemies on every side. And when magic is really a dwindling resource, too, you know, one of the, one of the big questions for me that, that excited me when I started working in this world was what happens when you bring uh, a gun to a magic fight? And... Uh, and, and the fact is, if you don't have rules for your magic, the answer is nothing. But if you're living in a world where um, where the military is advancing, this is not swords and and crossbows. This is a world where repeating rifles are a thing and yeah, Gatling guns and are submarine. a thing. And, yeah. and, and, and submarines are going to be a thing and yeah. where, where the technology is moving very fast and magic can't really keep up. So... Um, that for me is a sort of exciting political thing to play with uh, in a novel. We are talking with Lee Bardugo. She will be in Oxford, Mississippi on February 1st signing. Uh, we'll get some, some more details as things goes on, as the show goes on as well. And I tell you, um, oh gosh, what was I going to go with this? Oh, the King. Yeah. I, I yeah. Lo- yeah, we're going to take a break in a second, but I love the King and I love how you introduce Yay. him. I love how you introduce him. I don't know if I necessarily would want to meet him when he was kind of in that way. Uh, but that what a great way to open it up. I'm like, and I love how, you know, well, anyway, I don't want to give away too much, but it was just great how you introduced him. Thank you. I think it was important. You know, I don't think it's giving away anything to say that um, Nikolai has this dark magic uh, that's in him that yeah. was, he was essentially endured torture during the civil war in his country. And um, nobody really understands the extent of it. Even he doesn't understand uh, what's happening to him. And that, um, you know, he says himself that he thought the war was over, but it really, it really wasn't for him. And so, this thing is living inside him. And I wanted readers to be afraid of that in the same way that he was afraid of it and the people around him were afraid of it. So Nikolai is really two men in this book. He is the person who is continuing to try to convince everyone that he's fine and he's glib and funny and capable. And at the same time, we're in his head, so we know what that costs him. And I hope that will resonate for some readers who know what it is to be suffering and to still be trying to put on a good front. Well, I think there's a lot of people that have been to war for the last 15 years or so that would recognize the symptoms of PTSD, too. And I think that was that's mm-hmm. what I kind of got out of it, too. And and also, too, just the fact that when you're trying to keep your whole reign together and you have to worry yeah. about in the middle of the night sneaking out and eating somebody, that would be a problem. <laughs> I mean, it I have, yeah, it is. yeah, I haven't had that problem lately, but yeah, wow. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm glad for you and those who live near you. But, and you're, and you're uh, glad you're yeah. in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, I understand how that goes. Lee, thanks you. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break and continue. we got Lee Bardugo with us as well. And uh, the new book is King of Scars, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road.
You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Uh, yeah, we're under a winter storm warning and watch here in Mississippi. Uh, but don't worry, by the weekend, it'll be 80 degrees. So that's how we roll. Got a great guest on. I'm very excited. We've got number one bestselling author Lee Bardugo on with us. The new book, of course, is King of Scars. She will be here in Mississippi on February 1st at the Edison as part of Square Books' signing. That, For those of you who don't know where the Edison is in Oxford, is at 1415 University Avenue. There'll be a fan meetup at 5 o'clock, a signing, and a question and answer at 6. But looking forward to having her here in Mississippi, and I'm very glad she's on the show with us right now. Lee, welcome back. Thank you. Um, appreciate you coming on. And one thing I do love about the book, too, is you have incredibly strong female characters in it. Zoya is one of my favorites. I mean, just her opening up when she came in, too. Um, I like her. She's great. I loved writing her. She was one of the big surprises to me in the book. Um, Zoya is in the Shadow and Bone trilogy, but when she appears, she's sort of just a mean girl. And (laughs) over the course of the trilogy, she really starts to develop stronger relationships to the other characters. And um, by the end of writing that, I just, I had really kind of fallen in love with her and her story. So it was pretty exciting for me to get to be in her head and really revisit all of her past and why she is the way she is, the bad, the bad decisions, um, the, the, the heartaches that got her to where she is now. And she's just also very powerful, which is always fun to write. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could control the wind. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, these ma- the wind, the lightning, the yeah. storms. I mean, I, I think that would make for for a, a, a lot of negotiating power. It would be great. And here in Mississippi, it would be pretty cool because we we do yeah. wind and storms and all that stuff a lot. So it would be fantastic. But I, do, I mean, like I said, though, I, one thing I do like about your writing is it, you know, and I have three boys. I wish, if I had a daughter, I would be thrilled for her to read your books, too, because it is a great role model for the the eight-year-old you when you were reading fantasy. Now there's an eight-year-old or a a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old or 18-year-old, or in my case, a 51-year-old, who's who's reading this, seeing that there are women that are out there being assertive and they're smart and they're on top of things and, and they're leaders, and these kids are thinking, you know what, I can do that, too. I hope so. Yeah. I mean... I think one of the changes that we've seen in fiction is the idea that you don't have to look a particular way. You don't have to have a particular background. You don't have to uh, be the the hero that we've seen in so many action movies and read about in so many books. There are many different kinds of heroes. Right. And action and adventure and romance and danger and magic can really belong to anyone. Yeah. So I hope my book's... Um, open up some new world for people. Well, Nina is that way too. I mean, as a character, she was fantastic. Yeah, Nina is my my butt kicking fat girl. She's <laughs> tough as nails, and she's gorgeous, and yeah. she's just incredibly dangerous. And she's dealing with some rough stuff at the beginning of this book. Um, she's dealing with some grief over things that happened, but she's also on this mission. Uh, for the crown that's incredibly important and that becomes more important to her as she begins to uncover what's really going on in this country that is the uh, one of the enemies of Rothko. Yeah, I understand that you left some of your fans a little bit uh, agitated a little bit how you left her in the last book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is... <laughs> you did that on Look. purpose, didn't you? Uh, you know, I think that... I, as a reader, don't mind a little bit of suffering. If I haven't cried, how do I know I've been there? That's so right. I really think that we want to see our favorite characters go through a lot, and then we want to see them conquer um, pain and grief and anger because those are the things we experience. And maybe we don't have magical powers and we can't kill someone without ever landing a blow on them, but we do experience these other things and can have triumph. And I feel like there's a kind of catharsis in that when I'm writing, you know, well, I would think that Kaz would be probably one of the ones that hits pretty close to you, close home to you. And on that, tell the relationship between Kaz and what you're going through right now. So Kaz is my con man character. He is a thug and a thief and a criminal mastermind. Uh, And he also suffers from chronic pain. He walks with a cane because of an injury he received during a bank heist. Now, I also walk with a cane frequently. Um, I actually, I, I did not... I did not 
you know, rob a bank and fall off a roof. I oh, that's um, good have to know. a degenerative. Yes, well, as far as you know, um, okay. I have a degenerative bone disease uh, called osteonecrosis, mm-hmm. and it means that I, I I have good days, but I have a lot of bad days too, where I'm in pretty significant amount of pain. And it also meant at a fairly young age, I had to start using a cane. And I didn't really realize that I was writing myself into the story when I created Kaz. But I think I really wanted to see somebody who had a similar disability, but was dangerous and feared and, um, and really tough. And so I think that's what I did. I think I put it on the page. I I think you nailed it. Um, And, and, how how many years ago were you diagnosed? Because I've you know I've seen you on stage. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that you're you're a rock star. I mean, literally a rock star, Captain Automatic. Um, I've seen you on stage in the YouTube videos, um, dancing oh, dancing around and and yeah, YouTube. You got to love it. Your whole life is there. But uh, that I mean, how long how long have you been diagnosed? Because I know this is. Um, I started experience pain for, experiencing pain from this um, back around 2000, but okay. I was misdiagnosed for a long time. Oh, um, wow. I thought it was just arthritis. Um, I actually ran a marathon um, about 10 years ago, and okay. I thought, wow, I am, I am, you know, you expect to be in a lot of pain if right. you're running. You are, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Right, and what I realized, though, afterwards was that the pain was not going away, that yeah. I seemed to be um, experiencing something that other people weren't, and I finally went and um, uh, saw a new doctor and got some MRIs done, and um, they were like, guess what, you've got some holes in your bones because they are dying, and oh, wow. uh, that was a little bit of a shock, but look. I have, so far, I've only got this in my ankles, and um, I consider that a huge blessing, and I'm still still mobile, and I think for me, um, I had to get over a lot of, like, it, really crappy ideas I had about using a mobility device and really my own ableism um, that I had absorbed, you know, that a, that a you know, a, a, a pretty seemingly able-bodied woman should not be, and yes, I just just did call myself pretty, but I should be not using a cane. And people do look at you differently when you're carrying a cane. They treat you differently. Um, In some ways you become invisible and in some ways you become visible in very negative ways. And I really had to get over my own problems with that and get past that. And I, I feel now every time I post a picture with my cane, every time I walk on stage with my cane, every time I'm candid about the fact that like, wow, this, this particular airport is terrible for people who are dealing with chronic pain yeah. or whatever it is. I'm, I hope helping to dismantle some of the stigma that I really uh, absorb without even realizing it. I, you know, and I had cancer a few years back, and it was kind of a similar situation. Some doctors missed it. One finally caught it. Yay, I'm still here. But then I started oh, talking about it very publicly. And, you know, because I know you writing about this and you being so public about that, you just you have no idea how many people you're probably helping on any given day get through their, their situation. I hope so. I think that media and culture do this really um, scary thing where they give us an idea of what a cancer patient looks like or what a disabled person looks like. And the more we perpetuate that, um, the more people who are suffering are not going to have the opportunities that they should and not potentially get the help and assistance that they need. So you talking about what you experienced and being candid about it, all the stuff, the ugly stuff, the gross stuff, the difficult stuff is what really removes that um, that taboo. And so good on you for talking about it. And I'm really glad you're you're doing better. Well, and same same back at you because um, and also too, and I kind of bounce a little bit in a different direction, but much the same way. I, I'd heard you in an interview. You were talking about how. Um, you know, because there's this this gap, 1997 between 2012. You did a lot of living in between that time, um, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, you did some really cool and creative and colorful things. Which I, you, my, my first thought was, how did she create such a wonderful and textured universe? Nah, she was out there living and doing jobs she hated and stuff like that. Don't you think that's important though? To if you're going to be a writer, yes. to do stuff that sucks. Mind my French. Yes. Yes. I don't trust people who have never had a bad boss or have never spent a Sunday night dreading going back to work in the morning. If you've never had a job you didn't want, how are you supposed to really write or understand? How are you supposed to appreciate what you have when you get it? And where is the texture of your world going to come from if all you've done is sit in an ivory tower and write? Um, 
I think that we, again, have this view of what creative people are supposed to look like and sacrificing for their art and, and living the artist's life. And that's great. But most people I know have dependents. They have you know, aging parents or they have kids or they have student loans or uh, they are dealing with illness. There are all kinds of things that come up in your life. And the idea that there's only one way to be an artist is awful. There are many ways to be an artist and it you don't have to be devoting every single day, every hour of that day to creating art. You just have to be moving forward in something that you're passionate about. And that can be a small step every day, just a little bit. Um, I just don't think people, I see people believe that they, that the, the, their moment has passed or that the, their opportunity has passed. I didn't publish my first book until I was 37. So that's a lot of nonsense. There is no expiration date on your talent. Okay. I just wrote all that down and I'm going to tape it on my mirror in the morning. <laughs> I'll get down off my soapbox. Yeah, now that, that was awesome. That, that was so true. And, and you know, um, it's like I remember my, my mom. My mom was an artist and she always said, I need to have a studio to paint. And I'm like, no, you need to stick a canvas on the kitchen table and paint. I said, you know, sometimes we yeah. just need to get up in the morning and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You you touched on when you were young and you were going through some tough times um, that you fell back into books. Angie Thomas lives here in Jackson. She's been on the show. I love Angie. She's great. Uh, she was the same way. She grew up in a tough situation, and her mother, to her credit, would take her to the library and say, look, this this is what the world's really like. And she fell into books. Hers was Harry Potter. That's what she fell into. Um, yeah. Talk Talk about some of the things. We're going to take a quick break in a second, but let's talk about uh, what were the books that influenced you when you were, say, starting to really get into reading? I think that Madeline Langle's Swiftly oh, yeah. Planet was mm-hmm. huge for me. I think um, Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones was so important. And I think the one that sort of started it all, and it was something I came to a little bit later, was um, Dune by Frank Herbert. Oh, yeah. Um, that, for me, was... It really cracked the world open. And, and, and I want to be clear about something, though, too. Sure. You know, I think it's easy to kind of craft an underdog narrative for oneself. And um, I may not have had as much as people around me, but I had plenty. And so I don't want to be pretending that I've, I've lived a hard life and I came up <laughs> somewhere. You know, like I had a lot of advantages. And I sometimes see people, I call it invisible privilege, you know, people who don't talk about the stability that they had in their home or I, you know, I never had to worry about, um, you know, if, if we were going to get kicked out of our apartment, you know, right. I, I never had my, my mom and my grandparents did a good job of, of giving me, um, stability in my life. So I guess I just, you know, I think that we've been trained to sort of say, you know, Oh, you know, I experienced this hardship, so I, I deserve what I've gotten, but I think so many people had it so much harder than me that I don't want to sort of be bearing that standard. But, um, yeah, I, I think for me, Dune was this strange, incredible, immersive world that I'd never experienced before. And it was also a world where being smart and being uh, prepared and uh, and being brave was so much more important than being cute or being fun, which I really wasn't. I was a very nerdy, very angry little girl, so I really needed uh, to be reading about Paul Atreides and um, and 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 his enemies and, and the way he was going to take them down. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to wrap up our conversation with author Lee Bardugo, who will be here in Mississippi on February 1st. We'll get you the details here in a minute. You still have time to be part of our conversation. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show at marshall at mpbonline.org. So don't go far. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio.
Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I tell you what, we got a great guest on today. I hope you're enjoying the show. And Gosh, I know I am. Uh, we've had the pleasure of speaking with best-selling author and creator of the Grishaverse, Lee Bardugo, is on. She will be in Oxford, Mississippi on February 1st as a signing as part of Square Books, but it will be at the Edison, which is at 1415 University Avenue. Uh, fans can meet up at 5 o'clock. Signing and question and answers begin at 6. Lee, thanks for being on today. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. It's been an interesting. We've been been going deep on this. I like it. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's the I guess the luxury of having time on this, and also too, you know, I mean, I, I kind of people that write and people that are creative, I kind of like, oh, okay, how do you do this? You know, it's always kind of fascinating. <laughs> the, the nuts and bolts of it, of course. You know, for me, I, I think creativity is almost like exercise. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And you've been pretty prolific. I, I've got to admit, since 2012, one of the projects you've worked on was a standalone novel which is totally different from the universe that you created, but you got to actually write a Wonder Woman book. I mean... I did. Okay, I'm impressed, because I, I have a crush on Wonder Woman, I, and I'll, I'll admit this freely. Um, my wife is Bye. listening. She knows these things. Um, we're trying to work past it. But you did Wonder Woman Warbringer. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, Wonder Woman Warbringer is my story. It's my sort of my origin story for uh, Diana. Mm-hmm. And instead of her meeting a World War, I guess it was World War One in the film. Yeah. Um, it depends which version of Steve Trevor you're reading. Um, uh, pilot, she meets a young girl named Alia, who is from New York City, from our time, who essentially crashes on her island. Okay. And she makes a choice. Um, that could put her and her people in terrible jeopardy in order to save this girl, um, only to discover that she's a warbringer and could bring about the destruction not only of Themyscira, uh, Diana's home, but of the entire world. So for me, it was a chance to uh, write about a character who I had loved since I was a little girl. Um, and I've actually written about her before and kind of loving her and then falling out of love with her as I got older and started to get a lot less comfortable with the idea of trying to fight crime in my panties and then coming back to her as I got older and kind of reclaiming her. So getting a chance to play in that world is pretty extraordinary. I was going to ask how that, how that is. I've got a friend that writes Star Wars and Star Trek books. <clears throat> and I mean, so here you go from one universe where guess what? <laughs> you pretty much are in charge of everything to suddenly you're yeah. taking you're You're dealing with a franchise, you know, basically yeah. you, you got to stay between certain buoys. Was that a challenge? It was. I mean, look, authors for the most part are left alone. We're not like screenwriters. There aren't that many cooks in the kitchen. So to suddenly be getting notes from so many different people who are really, um, their job is to steward the franchise. It's not necessarily to serve the story was challenging. However, um, early on, I, you know, before I took the project on, I made my pitch and then I got my outline approved and I sort of was very careful at every stage to make sure they knew what I wanted to do. So there were compromises, but on the whole, it was a very good experience. And, um, and again, it's sort of the price you pay to get to have this encounter with these characters, right. which for me was really joyful, in part because I tend to write people who are a lot more morally gray. And Diana's not like that. She's deeply good and still, I think, a very deeply interesting character. And that, honestly, I would sort of come out of writing her chapters and just be in a really good mood. I was like, we're going we're gonna to be all right. The world's going to be all right. So I enjoyed it. That, that had to be cool. And, and, you know, you've, like I mentioned before, <laughs> you've, you've been, you've done makeup artist. You've, uh, I mean, you've been in a rock and roll band. You're a writer. You're soon going to be an executive producer. And um, this is huge because not only, <laughs> not only is your work going to be, you know, produced, but it's going to be produced by some of the best people that do what they do on Netflix, which I think is a great platform for your work because they can really storytell there. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Cause I mean, congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, this has been, this has been a kind of extraordinary thing that, yeah. that has been in, in the works over the last year and that we finally got to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Grishaverse is coming to Netflix. Um, they're actually going to be taking stories and characters from both Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows 
and creating a TV series. Um, our first season is going to be eight episodes. Our showrunner is the wonderful and uh, brilliant Eric Heiserer, who um, people may know from the film Arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the screenplay for that that uh, was nominated for an Academy Award. And won a Writer's Guild Award. All- yeah. Yeah, and he also um, was uh, the writer behind. I, I know there were. He, he's been very candid about talking about how many writers worked on the project, but um, a Bird Box, which I did not watch because I scare very easily, <laughs> but I understand is very enjoyable. Um, uh, also, the guys from Twenty One Laps who who did Stranger Things and Puyo Shabazian, and um, there's just a lot of really wonderful people who are involved in this project. So I'm pretty excited about it, and both terrified and excited. I think is the best description. Well, I know I was thinking about that. I was thinking, well, what would be better, a movie or doing it on Netflix? And I, your universe is so Netflix. huge. Yeah, Netflix, Netflix by far. By far. I re- I really think TV is the place for fantasy. Yeah. Um, it just gives you room to breathe, and and we don't have to cut so many of the things that we would have to if we were trying to squeeze this story into a two-hour film. So having that freedom and also having such an extraordinary writer on board. I mean, Eric has a mind for structure that is, I just think, unparalleled. And we got to sit down uh, the other day and talk through the entire first season. And I just left that meeting walking on air because he's really bringing so many great ideas to the table. So it's pretty exciting. Oh, it is. I mean, I, I saw that and I was just like, I cannot wait. And that's just even <laughs> after my initial introduction, King of Stars, Scars is coming out tomorrow. Uh, we've got about a minute left. Is there anything, because I've tried to cover everything, but is there anything I missed? And other than you're going to be here on February 1st, and we'll talk about that in a second. I will be there on February 1st. And also I have another book coming out in October called Ninth House. It's a completely different universe. It's a grown-up book. That for the, it, is a, it is a book for adults, although I like to think adults can read all of my books. They can, but, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was in, Yale. is that the one about the yeah the student that came back to Yale and the not, the it's, it's oh, oh, a that's gonna story be good. of uh, murder and magic among the secret societies at Yale University. So hopefully you'll have me back to talk about it when when that one comes out. Uh, well, of course I will. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the book too. And of course, were you in a secret society when you were at Yale? I or, just might have been. Okay, you, you'd have to kill me. I understand that if you told me. I understand that sort of thing. <laughs> you know how it goes. Man, we really are excited about you coming to Mississippi. We hope you come back anytime soon, a lot. And uh, I just congratulations on all your success thank because you. you just seem like the kind of person, you know what, you deserve every bit of it. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. And, and thanks for taking so much time to chat with me. Oh, no. Well, th- thank you for taking so much time. I appreciate that. You're going to be here on February 1st at the Edison. That's on University Avenue in Oxford. Fan meetup is at 5 o'clock. This is, I think, Saturday, February 1st. And, of course, signing is question and answer. We'll start at 6. Lee, thank you so much. It has been an honor and a pleasure. So good luck. Take we'll- care. All right. I want to thank you for joining us today and to thank our special guest, of course. Lee Bartugo, excuse me. And if you missed any part of the program or want to hear past episodes, you can listen to the entire show on our podcast at mpbonline.org slash now you're talking. Now you're talking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Health and Fitness with Dr. Josie Bidwell and join us next week as we welcome, well, we'll just welcome. We're going to keep that a big, big secret. Uh, Anyway, see you all next Monday. This is Now You're Talking.